This podcast contains explicit material. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to this mini text episode of The Joy of Text. I'm Sarah Rosner Lawrence, and I'm here as usual with Dr. Bacheva Marcus, Clinical Director of Maze Women's Health, and Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Yeshivan President of Yeshiva Chovei Torah. Hey guys! Hello! So, what text do you have for us today? So, I have a text from Yevamot, page 63a to b, and it's in the context of talking about marriage and the mitzvah to marry, the mitzvah to have children. And it's in the middle of a larger discussion about, you know, the benefits of marriage. And then it tells these following stories. So uh, let's take a look and just prepare yourselves. You know, that okay, we hear so, you say that and now we're like, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Okay. So I'll just read a line or two from the Aramaic and then we'll read it in English. Rav have a mister me Rabbi Chia. Rav was taking leave of his uncle Rabbi Chia. Amar Rabbi Chia said to him, Rahmana Lislach Mimidi Dakasha Mimosa. This is a blessing given to him as he's leaving. May God save you from a fate worse than death. So the Gemara says, Umika midi dekasha mimosa. Is there any fate worse than death? So, so Rav went out to sort of think what Rabbi Chia might be talking about, and he found the following verse. And so this is from Koheles. I have found more bitter than death the woman, okay, who is, the end of the verse is, who is light, laying traps against the man. So now the Gemara sort of says why Rabbi Chia was giving this statement to Rav, and it tells the following story about Rav. Rav Rav's wife, I'll just switch to the English now, would constantly aggravate him. When he would say to her, prepare me lentils, she would prepare him peas. If he asked her for peas, she would prepare him lentils. So we're always trying to do something to upset him. When Chia, his son, grew up, so he would reverse the, his father's request. His father said, go tell mom I want lentils. And he had told the mom he wants peas. So in the end, the father got what he wanted. So before he figured it out, he said to his son, you know, your mother has improved. Like now she's actually doing what I've asked her. And he said, no, 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 I've, uh, I've reversed it. And that's why she's actually giving you what you want, because she's still trying to do the opposite. So Rav said to him, from he who comes to you shall teach you wisdom. My son is smarter than me. But nevertheless, don't do this. As it stated, they have taught their tongues to speak lies. So you should not be misrepresenting, even though it gets us sort of what we're going for. So that's one story. As if that weren't enough, well, let's look at one more. Okay, the Gemara relates a similar story. Rabbi Chia's wife would constantly aggravate him. So this is... Rav's son, Rabbi Chia. Nevertheless, when he would find something he would appreciate, he'd wrap it in his shawl and bring it to her. Rav said to him, why do you do this? Doesn't she constantly aggravate you? Rabbi Chia said, it's enough for us that our wives raise our children and save us from sin, meaning sexual sin, because we're married, we're having sex with our wives, and we're not having forbidden sex. So even though he aggravates me, I can appreciate the benefit of being married to presumably any woman. Any woman who would have sex with him. Who would have sex with him, right, and be willing to raise his children. Rabbi Yehuda was teaching Torah to Rav Yitzchak, and they encountered the verse, and I find more bitter than death the woman. And his son said to him, who would this be referring to, for example? His father replied, well, for example, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> the Gemara asked, didn't Rabbi Yehuda teach Rav Yitzchak his son the following Braitha, a man finds peace of mind only with his first wife? As it said, let your fountain be blessed and have joy from the wife of your youth. And his son said to him, for example, whom? And the father said, for example, your mother. So the same father that said your mother is more bitter than death said that you find blessing from your first wife, a fountain of blessing. So the Gemara says, how, does, how do you reconcile this? 
So he was aggressive and forceful, but he was easily appeased. So we'll end there. So there are two or three interesting stories about men talking about their wives. And I'll pause here and hear your reflections on all of this. <laughs> wow. I feel like this is this is why we don't take like relationship advice <laughs> from the Gemara. Because uh, these stories are kind of out there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the, the first one is the worst in a way. Like he... Like, it sounded like there was very little redeeming quality to their marriage. Like, he thought it wasn't worthwhile to bring her nice things. And when he would ask her one thing, she would do the other. That sounds pretty, uh, pretty bad. Right. And she was acting out of spite. But you might want to wonder what motivated her to be acting out of spite. Right. You're seeing this all from the man's perspective. I was wondering if you'd respond to all of this that, like, it's misogynistic. You know, but I wonder if you had a group of women talking about their husbands, if things would be radically different. I actually do not find this particularly disturbing. I mean, it's not great, <laughs> but I, I don't find it particularly disturbing because immediately I was jumping to, I, you know, I sit around with women and we're like, oh my God, our husbands, they're like, people kvetch about their husbands so much. And sometimes I get in there with them. Do you know what I mean? Like if I have a close <laughs> friend, you know, I'm like, so here's the thing. The puzzle about Marmi Mavet, honestly, I hear it in Kohelet and I have, so I've thought about it before. And one of the things that has always struck me about it, because I actually find it pretty powerful, is that I can't think of a worse situation than being in a bad marriage. Like I just, when I think about a miserable, miserable situation, to my mind, that's living in a bad marriage. Like, I open joke around with my husband. Like, when we're angry at each other, and we, not that we ever get angry at each other, <laughs> you know, if we're really angry at each other, I can't stand it. Like, 24 hours of that makes me feel like I want to die. It's hard for me to understand people who live in bad relationships and let it go on for years and years and years because I feel like that's worse than being lonely. I would rather be by myself than be living with somebody who makes me angry. Mm -hmm. So there is something so powerful about the fact that, you know, having a partner or a spouse that is just, that makes you unhappy that is, that does sound to me like worse than death, honestly. So that sentence has always sort of resonated with me in kind of a powerful way. This idea of she doesn't do what I want, so I have to sort of manipulate in order to get what I want if I need peas for dinner. <laughs> or um, I bring her things despite the fact that I'm angry at her. Um, I, or the fact that she's difficult. I don't know. I feel like it's not a good sign about a relationship, but also relationships are complicated and they're hard. And we all end up in relationships where we have to behave maybe differently than we originally thought we would because we have to manage our behavior and talk things. They don't talk about talking things out, but that's a different cultural narrative. Like we're living in a different time. So I, I feel like I'm rambling, but I think ultimately what I'm saying is relationships are complicated and we're just seeing glimpses into people's relationships here. And I don't know that it's fair to assume that they had terrible relationships. Yeah. Right. I think there's something very touching about that second story. Like she drives me crazy, but like I, at another level, I love her. I mean, he doesn't say I love her, but like, at least I appreciate her and I can, I value the relationship and I want to, and I want to make it work, even though she yep. drives me crazy. It's exactly know? like, do you love me from Fiddler on the Roof? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Do you love me? Yes, you like right. make me crazy, 
but yeah, I do love you, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I saw some sappy uh, romance movie recently. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Maybe you'll recognize it, where the theme ultimately of the movie was you have a friend because of things you like about them. You love somebody despite things, right? Like you love them, but there's so many things that often drive you crazy, but you love them anyway, you know? So I, th- I also find that story kind of touching. And it is a misogynist, but really and truly, when you get women together complaining about the men in their lives, it sounds like the reverse of this. No, Sarah, you tell me as the other woman on this show. Totally. I mean, yeah, I didn't really see this as particularly misogynistic either. I thought it was more of a commentary on like relationship quality and like maybe even a little bit countercultural for the Gamara's time, like kind of, you know, implying that, yeah, there is more to a marriage than just you know, the relationship existing. It's not like enough for it just to be another human being who lives with you and has sex with you and has your children, right? Like, like even the thought that there's more of a like nuanced emotional connection, even if it's not going so well in some of these stories, um, I think is kind of interesting. And like, especially the third story with who is the woman who is more bitter than death? It's your mom, right? And then, yeah. and then, like, and who's the the woman who's really like lovely and pleasant? It's also your mom, right? So, like, that one I actually really like because I feel like it's it's sort of raising the like nuanced, complex, multifaceted nature of long term committed relationships, which is like, yeah, sometimes they feel horrible. But also they're wonderful at the same time. And like both of those things can exist and should exist in any long-term relationship. Hopefully the pleasant good things will, you know, outweigh and, um, you know, overshadow the more bitter than death part. I actually see there a possible progression uh, between the three stories, right? The first story is all about bitter than death plays in each one. But in the first one, it just ends there. She drives me crazy and I have to manipulate her. That's it. Nothing good is sort of said. In the second story, it's, you know, I don't think it's like I love her anyway, because it's very generic. It's like, we, it's good to be married. You know, wives become mothers and they save us from sexual sin. So... I can appreciate the value of being married, even though I've got real issues with your mother. And then the third one is, I think that's what Sarah was saying. It's like, they drive me crazy and I, and I love them. So I think it's like interesting, you know, different ways in which people can react to those different situations. You know, do you make your peace with it? Do you, act, you know, is there actually both emotions going on there, conflicting emotions? So, yeah. One other text that we could look at that I just think is fascinating relating to this is a medrash on this. So there's a new genre, you know, of feminist midrashim, and there's actually some that bring it not only in terms of, you know, psukim in the Torah versus in the Torah, but actually on Gemara. And there's a midrash, I won't read it, it's in Hebrew, from Rivka Lubitz, which is on this story about the peas and the uh, carrots or the peas and the lentils. And she basically says, like, why did Rav's wife do this? I'll just read it in English. He says, it had nothing to do with the fact that sometimes Rav would say that he's going to come home early from the base medrash, and then he would come home very, very late, and that she would be sitting there all alone, hoping for her husband to come home. It's not because there are times when he would say that he would come home late, and he would come home early. And it's not because, you know, he would sometimes say that they were going to have a meal alone, and then he would come with all his students. So then why did she do this? Because when Rav knew that he had cooked you know, one type of dish, he would ask for the other dish. 
And when he had known that, when he knew that she had cooked lentils, he'd ask for peas. And when she knew she cooked peas, he asked for lentils. And she said, and she did not say anything. He asked for what he asked for. And she just served him what she made. And she did not know, this poor woman did not know why her husband was acting this way to her. You know, she wearies her whole life for him. And she could not understand why he was doing this. And therefore, her whole life was as bitter as death. And that's why the verse says, I find the woman more bitter than death. Wow. Except that when her son asked her for the right thing, she made the right thing. <laughs> okay, it's a medrash. <laughs> it's a medrash on a medrash. It's a medrash on a medrash. But I, I don't know. I, you know, there's a book that came out recently. I forget what it was. Fleischman's in Trouble. You know that book? Where it tells a whole story about a husband whose wife is the most self-centered, terrible wife. And, you know, it tells this whole story from his perspective. And then the second half of the book tells the exact same story from her perspective. And it's like, it's just a shocking read, you know? And I just think, if she's acting out of spite, why is she acting out of spite? And is Rav being completely oblivious to what he's doing to contribute to this? And I think that happens to us a lot. Like, we focus on how our partner has acted, and we never sort of say, wait, what are we doing to contribute to this dynamic? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I really, really like that idea. A supervisor of mine recently said that to me, actually, because I was like depicting, you know, a certain relationship conflict that a patient of mine was having. And I was like, like, I had really gotten behind his perspective, like, oh, my God, you know, his partner is so terrible, blah, blah. And the supervisor said to me, like, like, hold up a second, you know, you're hearing one side of the story, there's always a second side of the story like you know almost never is there a situation where there's just like a unilateral you know this person's being terrible and that's just happening in a vacuum and in the Gemara we're always getting the men's side of the story right the way I'll do it with supervisees is they will come in and they'll say I just met with her and here's the story and I'll be like no, actually, that's her story, mm-hmm, right? Which mm-hmm. is exactly what you're saying, yeah. right? Right. That's her story. So this is this is their story in the Gemara, and we don't have the other side of the story, except for this Medrash. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for bringing these two amazing texts. And can somebody please make us peas for dinner tomorrow night? <laughs> There's not a big difference between peas and lentils in my book, I just want to say. <laughs> lentils are much better. <laughs> Lentils have much higher protein. That was the issue. Absolutely. Well, thank you. This episode of The Joy of Text was produced and edited by Max Hollander and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center at YCT. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to share with us, you can do so anonymously at www.thejoyoftext.org. The Joy of Text is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any podcast app. If you like what you hear, show us your support by giving us a five-star rating and stay up to date with our latest episodes and live events by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 